This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Hey everybody, David Spampanato here for NFL Friday. Across from me, Devin Clemente, Matt Constantini. Guys, how we doing? Doing great, man. Excited to talk some football. Yeah, can't complain. The Giants haven't lost yet, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, at least we got a week <laughs> off. Jack Reagan will be with us for updates. Charlie Mazzano in the back producing for us. But, guys, let's let's delve right into it. I mean, Steelers, really impressive last night, Thursday yeah. night football. They out the Panthers 52-21. The over-under was in the low 50s. I think the Steelers might have covered by themselves. Yeah. And the thing that was most impressive to me was that they were without James Conner for a good chunk of that game. I mean, it, it makes you – the fact that – Le'Veon Bell was back there the past few years and just lit up on the ground and through the air. Now James Conner slides in. He lights it up. Even Steven Ridley and Samuel yesterday were playing great. You just feel like because that line is so good, because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Ben Roethlisberger and a guy that can stretch the field and Antonio Brown that anybody can run back there, and that's that's what it's looked like so far. That perceived threat that they can beat you in any way any is way. just so dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it was probably – Right at halftime, I was like, wow, they're about to put up 50 points on the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that says more about this Steelers offense or that the Panthers have kind of just been pre- pretending through this first half. I mean, they've looked like contenders at some point. Cam Newton looks great. Christian McCaffrey is looking so much better than he was last year because he's getting a majority of the carries. I know a lot of people were worried that C.J. Anderson was going to kind of bite yeah. into his uh, goal line touches, but that hasn't been the case. And, you know, you talk about the Steelers missing James Conner for a portion of that game. Um, that's going to be huge coming down the road. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is reportedly coming back. Yeah. No one actually knows. Get into that, yeah. But uh, it was a great win for the Steelers. Not really much more you can say about it. Before I go back to the Steelers, I just want to make a quick Christian McCaffrey point because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone is obsessed with these young running backs. <laughs> Gurley, Barkley, Hunt. You know, the list goes on and on. But no one really puts McCaffrey in that conversation. I, and I'm not sure why that is. I think it's because of the size. I mean, if when you look at him, he's he's 205 pounds. Five, he's more of like a scat back type of guy. Um, and he definitely has uh, the, the ability to do that just because he's so prolific in the passing game. But... Be, after Norv Turner uh, became the OC this year, Norv has just historically gone with a bell cow running back, and just watching him just dedicate all the all the touches to McCaffrey, he's getting like 20 a game. He's been able to hold that load, and I mean, a few times this year, he's had ridiculous yards per touch uh, rates against the Bengals. He had like 120 yards on like 10 carries, something ridiculous like that. He's just been killing it, and I I think that the 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 big reason that people don't put him with Kareem. Hunt or Gurley is is really the size difference, but quietly he's getting it done. Yeah, I mean you look at what he did last night. He had 138 total yards, three touchdowns. He's yeah. he's being used more on the ground than he had than he was last year. He's such a threat in the receiving game because of how quick and elusive he is out of the backfield. And I, I think you're right. I think size does come into play with it. But when you think about it, he was what the 12th pick last year, top 15 at least, yeah. something like that. So people knew how good he could be, but. I think a lot of people were worried about the the whole size thing, but he's proving people wrong. I mean, there were points last night where he was spinning away from from would-be tacklers, juking defenders out, and the two touchdowns that he played were really just simple wheel routes out of the backfield that the linebackers couldn't catch up to him on. And that's why he's such a matchup nightmare, Mm -hmm. because he's so quick and he's powerful. He's a powerful runner, despite his size, like you said. But, I mean, to me with McCaffrey, the thing that surprises me the most is that in football, like... Markets don't really matter. You can't really say he gets buried in Carolina because that's not so much no. the case. Markets don't really count for anything. You can see any guy in any city just tearing. I mean, Living Aaron Rodgers. Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City. You know, they're getting more attention than anyone. Pat Mahomes getting more attention than anyone. So I, I don't want the excuse that, oh, he plays in Carolina. We don't hear about that. That's not the case in the NFL. If you want to talk about that in baseball or to the NBA, to a, in the NBA to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily think that's the case in football. But back to the Steelers, I, I, I feel like this team – is really being slept on for the first time in a little while. Because for a while, everyone said the torch is being passed. The Patriots are no longer that top team in the AFC. I picked them to win the Super Bowl last year, Pittsburgh. And then at, to this point this year, I haven't really thought about it. But when I look at them last night and I look at the way they've been playing lately, they're starting to rally around each other. Between Shazier's injury and Le'Veon Bell's departure, I feel like this team might have 
that it factor in the locker room that can make them really, really dangerous. I mean, I, I've <clears throat> they've always had the talent. I mean, they have probably the best wide receiver in the league. They've had in the past, in past years the best running back in the league. Roethlisberger is a Hall of Famer, and they have. And I think a lot of the reason for their success is one of the best offensive lines in the entire and just ridiculous and and this year they've added some some nice pieces TJ Watt has been great as a linebacker they have one of the best run defenses in the NFL they absolutely have a shot they have great home field advantage i just the one thing that does worry me with the Steelers and it happened earlier this year it happened late last year is they always seem to have some sort of dysfunction. They have so, such huge personalities there. Mike Tomlin, I feel like, sometimes doesn't take control of the team the way that he should. And the the talent is never the personnel. The talent is never the the issue with the Steelers. It's just can they put it all together and be you know that Patriots type of team that will rally around each other and do business on the field and not let things off the field get in the way. So with, with Le'Veon Bell coming back, Matt, if you're Mike Tomlin, how are you approaching this return? Because clearly there's been some animosity in the locker room, some mixed feelings to how they would actually welcome them back. So if you're the head of that locker room and Mike Tomlin, what are you going to do? It's really tough because, like you mentioned, there has been a lot of animosity. I know in the beginning of the season, the offensive line, some guys on the offensive line were calling him out saying, we want the guys that are here. It doesn't really matter who's going to be here later. We want the guys that are in here now. Uh, it was either before last night's game or before last week's game, Mike Tomlin was being interviewed mm-hmm. pregame, and he said, we don't want hostages, we want volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's going to be really tough to reincorporate Le'Veon Bell if and when he does come back. Because like you said, this offense is rolling right now. How do you how do you take out James Conner from the starting lineup? He's been one of the best running backs in the NFL this year. You don't want to take the hot hand away and go to a guy who hasn't played competitive football in six, seven months. Yeah, and I don't know if he'll come back in seamlessly. And you look at James Conner and you say, okay, how good is he really? He's a good running back. I'm not going to go out and say... He is, but I'm not going to go out and say that he's on the same level as Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley, but running backs in the league, you don't necessarily need a great one. If you have a good quarterback, if you have a good wide receiver, you have that solid offensive line, you might not need one. But now with Conner out... Mm -hmm it gets even more complicated. And and I feel like this type of stuff happens in not just football, but in all sports all the time. You have these two guys that are you know, maybe one guy's coming back from injury or whatever, and you're like, how are they going to solve this scenario? And it kind of like works itself out. So Connor is now in the concussion protocol. We don't know what he's going to be doing going forward. And yesterday, actually, there was a report saying that the Steelers want Bell back very badly. And I think it was Ramon Foster who had been criticizing him big time uh, in the preseason who said that, uh, he would welcome him back. So it seems like they're kind of like they're kind of backing off of the whole like we don't need him thing. Um, and I don't think it's because of anything having to do with James Conner because if James Conner's healthy, I think a really interesting thing that they could do um, is make Bell a receiver. I think that that would add a really cool aspect mm-hmm. to their offense. And Bell, I mean, for, forget the fact that he's a great runner, but throughout his entire career, he's had the skill set to be a Pro Bowl wide receiver. He, 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 he's yeah, like right. he's like David Johnson or or, or 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 Joe Mixon in that they have great great hands, great route running ability, and as far as running backs go, he's probably the best at it. So I think if they could add him in that scenario and may, maybe even split carries as well, I mean, it just adds to an already ridiculous offense. Yeah, and to that point, the whole the whole thing with these contract negotiations that he's been going through these past two three years was that he doesn't want to be paid like a running back. He wants to be paid like the elite athlete that he is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's almost similar to the thing that Rob Gronkowski went through a few years ago was he didn't want to be paid like a tight end. He wanted to be paid like a wide receiver Mm -hmm. because that's how they used him. And the way that the Steelers have used Le'Veon Bell in his career has not only been as a running back, but as that elite pass catcher. So that is a really interesting point. And that's a good way to keep James Conner in the offense and still ride the hot hand. And it will add such a different and unique element to an already incredibly potent Steelers offense. At the same time, I think that would put Le'Veon Bell at a bit of a crossroads because he says, hey, I'm the best running back, maybe even the best player in the league. I think before this season, it it wasn't that much of a controversial statement to say he is the best football player on earth with the ball in his hands. And if you bring him on, 
and you limit his workload. He's mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm Le'Veon Bell. I'm the best player in the world. And, and then if you're Mike Tomlin, you're saying, well, you didn't want to play. You wanted to get a contract. You wanted to remain healthy. So I think you're at this really difficult crossroads mm-hmm. if you decide to limit his touches while also bringing him back and having him play. Yeah, I at the same and I, I I totally get your point. I see where you're coming from, but I actually think he might like it. Like I, he he's his whole goal is to ego. He has that he, he ego, has the know? ego, but he if he felt like that, I feel like he would have come back sooner. Like I or think any that he's, player has that right, ego. But if you're right. on Bell, your ego is right. You know, oh, I hundred percent. I just think that I just think that. Every team knows what he can do in the ground. On yes, the ground, yes. I don't think that that's I don't think that's for debate. And they know what he can do as a receiver too. But if you were to line him up going forward in the slot uh, for a number of plays during the game, and he excels in that role, and I 100% believe that he can and will excel in that role. Now you have this whole other aspect that GMs are looking at, and you're limiting his touches. He's not getting pounded at the line like he would as a running back. So he's also probably going into the offseason healthier. I think that it helps all parties involved. Yeah, and that's something that I was talking about before the show is his health because throughout his NFL career and even in college, he has been such a workhorse. I mean, he led the he led the NFL in touches last year. I'm pretty sure he was close to the top the year before. And I think that's been a large part of his holdout, at least this season, was that he knows that he doesn't want to be a member of the Steelers anymore. He probably understands that the Steelers' ownership and management isn't really Mm -hmm. gelling with him anymore, and he's probably going to be gone. So in his mind, it's, why would I come back and play an entire season when we both know I'm not coming back? So what's stopping them from designing almost every play to be in my hands, give me something crazy like 1,500, 1,000 touches this year, <laughs> and and just run me into the ground, yeah. decrease my value in no, free it's agency. A great point. It's a great, it's a really, really great point, but there's also this conflict in the NFL or in professional sports at any point that it's next man up, and in the mm-hmm. NFL, that next man up is probably pretty damn good, and in this case, he has that's been what damn it, good. Exactly, exactly. So with that, I'll toss it to our first fantasy update with Jack Reagan, and coming, back, coming out of it, We'll have Vinny DeBellis' Jets point, and we'll talk about Jets life without Sam Darnold this week. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. All right, guys, my first stud for this week is David Johnson from Arizona. He's been a relative disappointment all year. He hasn't had that top five production everyone thought he would. But look for him to turn around this week since the Cardinals are at Kansas City. Kansas City should be up by a lot at halftime, which means uh, it's going to be a lot of garbage time. Expect a ton of dump off to Johnson against the Chiefs defense that has given up a Lehigh 634 receiving yards to running backs. Next up, I got Keenan Allen, who's another guy who hasn't had a great start to the season, but his talent is obviously there. And I think he'll turn around. He's coming off a great showing last week with 10 targets, 6 catches, and 124 yards. That was against Seattle, whose defense is 4th best in the league. Allen is supposed to be even better versus the Raiders this week since they have a defense that is much, much worse than that. And finally, I got Josh Gordon from New England. Josh Gordon had a monster game last week with five catches on uh, 10 targets with 130 yards and a touchdown. Looks like he's really coming to his own uh, on that New England offense. This week will be lined up against former New England cornerback Malcolm Butler, who's had a rough year so far. Gordon is a must-start this week, especially since Rob Gronkowski is out again this week with his back injury. Very much in the camp that you have to keep starting the talented players, right? Oh yeah. That's I mean that's what you got to do. If you go and bench Keenan Allen or you go and bench, um, who else? David Johnson, and they have a monster week. You're gonna the next on Monday or on Tuesday when you lose by ten points, you're gonna, you're gonna kick Whoa. yourself. Exactly. Face. <laughs> Benching David Johnson. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll throw it to our jet support with our guy Vinny DeBellis. When the Jets and Bills selected Sam Darnold and Josh Allen respectively as top 10 picks in April's NFL Draft, many would have predicted that we would see a matchup between the two projected franchise quarterbacks when their teams linked up for Week 10. As we approach that meeting this Sunday, fans will likely instead be treated to a showdown between Josh McCown and Nathan Peterman. Head coach Todd Bowles has announced that Darnold will not get the start due to a foot injury but will be suited up, while the Bills' Josh Allen is listed as questionable with an elbow injury. 
Both teams have endured tough stretches as of late, with the Jets dropping their pass three to put them at three and six on the season, while the Bills have dropped their pass four as they sit at two and seven. While many have questioned the Jets' play calling over this rough patch, Todd Bowles insists that the Jets' problems are not due to a lack of aggression. I think we need to execute better. Aggressiveness only counts when you're doing something well, one thing or the other. We got to run it better and we got to throw it better. So aggressiveness comes with successful plays. Bowles knows how critical it is to beat up on struggling teams like the Bills if the Jets want any shot of making a playoff run. It feels like Gang Green has been in must-win mode for a few weeks now, and after an emotional post-game locker room last week in Miami, a win against the Bills would do a lot for this team's overall composure. 39-year-old Josh McCown could have his hands full against a Buffalo defense that has the potential to rattle offenses if it doesn't have to be on the field the entire game, but with a veteran like McCown, you can be sure that he won't be overwhelmed by the moment. In terms of weapons for McCown to work with, Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua were both no-goes at Thursday's practice and are listed as questionable officially. I'm expecting a low-scoring affair Sunday at the Meadowlands with the Jets squeaking out a 17-10 victory. The Jets' defensive unit must capitalize on a Bills team that is prone to turning the ball over. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. Great stuff as always from our guy Vinny DeBellis. Doing a great job covering the Jets this year and always with the fire beats on the Jets. Yeah, I know. That was great. (laughs) That's his thing. So, um, Bill's Jets, instead of Donald Allen, we get McCown Peterman. Um, And and it just an interesting game between future quarterbacks, which is always interesting. I mean, Browns, when we saw Browns Jets, that turned in ridiculous ratings for Thursday Night Football early in the season. And people say, hey, we got Baker Mayfield, we got. Sam Darnold, a lot of people thought the Browns should have taken Darnold first overall, and they didn't. And then Baker Mayfield makes his debut and just shows out. Because it wasn't lined up to be Mayfield-Darnold. No. It was That's when uh, you know, the Baker-Mayfield era in Cleveland began. But, um, yeah, it just really takes it away. But that's what it is. It's football. You know, guys are going to get hurt. And for these two guys, with the way their offensive line has been protecting them, they're getting killed, and that's been the case for each of them. So I almost feel bad for them in a way. That's the huge issue. I, I, I do feel bad for Darnold because I do believe that he's the future. I think he's an extremely talented quarterback. I love the stuff that he did in college. But it's it's unfair when a rookie quarterback is your best player on offense. They cannot protect yeah. him. He has no weapons. Bilal, Bilal's done for the year now. He, he, his best weapon on offense is Quincy Anunua, and I like Quincy Anunua. He's a, nice player, He's a yeah. good player. He he works hard and he plays hard, but Quincy Anunua can't be your your safety blanket when you have a rookie quarterback back there, and the line needs to protect him, which they haven't done up to this point. He's been getting killed week in and week out, and they, they just— the I thought that they made a great pick this year. I thought that the way that they handled the draft was great, but they have not been able to. They have not put him in a position to succeed this season. Last year was almost like an anomaly for the way their weapons look, as you saw. Oh, Ronnie yeah. Anderson, almost a thousand yards. Jermaine Curse, I think, was very close to a thousand yards or had over a thousand yards. Caught a good amount of touchdowns. You say Anderson's a really nice deep threat. Curse is kind of a well-rounded vet. And then you bring a Nunwa, who we're just kind of scratching the surface of what he could be, into this offense. And you look at it, it just hasn't been the case that it's been a good set of weapons. And then, you know, Powell gets hurt, and it's just not its just not the crew that Sam Darnold expected no. to be running with. But at the same time, a lot of people, I feel like, are kind of mistaking Darnold's mistakes for what they expected. Because everyone said, oh, he's going to throw a lot of picks. But when I see him, he just looks hesitant he almost looks a little bit fearful back there and that's the number one thing you I feel like you don't want to see if you're a rookie quarterback man yeah I'm I was not as high on Darnold throughout this draft 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 process excuse me as I know a lot of people were I had him as quarterback three behind Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield and because that's because I watched a lot of him in college I'm a big college football guy and what I've seen what I saw from him in his last season at USC and even in the Rose Bowl at the end of his sophomore season, mm-hmm. was he just did not look comfortable anymore. He, I mean, leading up to that sophomore season Rose Bowl, kid looked like a surefire number one overall pick, looked like an absolute stud, possibly NFL Hall of Famer at the end of his career. But then we get to that Rose Bowl and we get to his entire junior season, and he just didn't look like he really had it anymore. It didn't look like he like he knew where he wanted to go downfield. Um, and his decision making it was just so poor and 
he's had all right success so far this season. Obviously, there have been some mistakes that you can probably chalk up to some rookie rookie mistakes, but those are things that he really needs to work on cutting down because once you get into next season, you're you're not going to be able to fall back on rookie mistakes anymore. It's going to be why hasn't why haven't you developed? Why haven't you learned how to read this or that better? Why aren't you more comfortable in the pocket or scrambling, throwing on the run, those kind of things? And I think so far this season, he's had some problems with uh, with the play calling. I think the Jets' play calling as a whole on offense has just been not very good, and they haven't really put him in a position to succeed. Right. They, they haven't put him in a position to succeed. And I don't know if I totally agree on the whole on, on the whole – he definitely struggled last year, but he was like – kind of like a three-game stretch in the middle of the season where he had like 10 turnovers. But even last season in at, at uh, USC, he played behind an abysmal offensive line for college. I just feel like his, his entire career so far, even in college and the NFL, he hasn't had the protection that he needs in order to succeed. I don't think that it's a secret that protection makes you a better quarterback. It, it makes everybody on offense better players. And the fact that they can't protect him as a rookie in the NFL, he's been starting since week one, it, like you said, it's, it's just going to stunt his growth. And there's been some highs, there's been some lows. Last week, four interceptions against the Dolphins, you, you, a couple, of, two of them were ducks. Granted, there have been tons of drops, uh, like, like we were talking about before, the weapons haven't been there, but there's also been highs. He, he looked great week one against, against the Lions after the first pass of the game against the Colts. 42 points against the Colts to be Andrew Luck, and that offense has looked good as well this year. I, I, I think that the potential is still there, but I'm definitely nervous about them. I know that they're sitting him out this week, but continuing to play him this season when he's just not in a position where, where, where he can grow and succeed. Last week's loss against the Dolphins was was brutal, and the guy who got the most heat for it was Todd Bowles. And I'm going to throw this to my guy, Bart Scott, who went on an absolute <laughs> rant on SNY on Jets game plan. We have that clip. Chuck, let's see it. Man, this is bull crap, right? No, we got to get turnovers? Really? Three for 16, that's a turnover. Mm-hmm. When you get them three and out, that's a turnover. Mm-hmm. That's getting the ball back to the offense. What are you talking about? Four sacks. Holding Oswald at 15 for 24 for 139. What the hell are you talking about? Well, that's the type of statement that pisses me off in the locker room as a defensive player, and we got to have a conversation because you start pointing fingers saying we ain't doing good enough. You didn't do good enough. Mm. You didn't represent us good enough. You didn't prepare us good enough. You didn't make adjustments. We had questions, and you didn't give us any answers. What, what, How about that one? What did you make of the response? Get the hell out of here. Uh, you yeah, knew Bart was going to be his part drawing board. Let's so, take his drawing board. Uh, he, 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 he's 100% right. Yeah, he's right. No, no that's, that's why I wanted to throw it there because – that's as much of Listen. a point as I, I can only say so much. And I think Absolutely. when you hear a guy like Bart Scott saying that, a career really successful linebacker in the league, and he's a smart guy. And, you know, when a coach, and he's a defensive-minded coach, but when a coach essentially throws a defense under the bus like that, the players aren't going to be happy. And Jamal Adams this week on Twitter goes and likes a tweet that says, Jamal Adams to the Cowboys. It's an issue, you know, when you have your coach throwing players under the bus. Listen, Todd Bowles, and I've said this for a few years, I'm a Jets fan, I watch the Jets every single week, I've watched them my whole life. Todd Bowles is one of the worst coaches I've ever seen in my entire life. Great coordinator, though. He's a great coordinator, but there's tons of guys like that who are great coordinators and terrible head coaches. Shout out Pat Shermer. The guy just got fired, Hugh Jackson, very good offensive coordinator, abysmal head coach Mm -hmm. Todd Bowles is in is of that ilk I mean he's just he has no passion can't fire the guys up he's way 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 too conservative in the games last week the Jets had the ball past the Dolphins 50 with time running down uh, uh, down a touchdown and he elects to punt it I mean that that was one of the best drives that they had had during that game last season uh, against the Patriots they had they had two ridiculous plays overturned on the touchdown to Austin Safarian Jenkins and the guy does nothing to fight it you want to see your coach have that fire and stand up for you and Todd Bowles is basically a, a a zombie on that sideline. People criticize Rex Ryan for, for, for being too animated, but listen, there is absolutely no arguing that every single year that guy was was coaching to win a Super Bowl, and he made it clear every game he was doing everything he could to get to get that team the W, and I don't see that at all with Todd No, I'm, I'm with you, and I think the way the Jets are going, you need a guy like Rex Ryan. Absolutely. You need a guy that's You need a guy direction. with fire. And Bowles just kind of seems like 
the Jets are kind of in that in-between phase, but you don't want the culture to be in the in-between phase. And I think Todd Bowles is setting that. And I really don't think the Jets are going to be a great team with Todd Bowles at the helm. I think at the very least, I'm now I'm not really tuned in to Jetland and what fans are kind of talking about or what the media is saying. But I think at the very least, we should probably see a change at offensive coordinator in the offseason, kind of bring in someone that will call plays a little bit better than what they've been getting. But are we looking at possibly a new head coach too? Like, should we be getting an offensive head coach to run Sam Darnold into into what he should be? I I I I mean, I really like the idea of the the even though the Titans haven't looked amazing this year, but. Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for Sean McVay last year, and Sean McVay came from Kyle Shanahan. I just, I like, I really like the idea of getting rid of Todd Bowles and potentially getting Matt LaFleur, who's helped a lot of, a lot of uh, quarterbacks succeed in Kirk Cousins, uh, RG3. Last year, Jared Goff showed ridiculous uh, uh, pro- growth and progressions. I, I think that bringing in a guy like that to call the plays, coach up um, Sam Darnold, I, I think that that would be a perfect hire for them, and I cannot go through any more seasons with Todd Bowles. I mean, he's just been horrific, and I I believe we need an offensive-minded head coach to to help Sam Darnold grow. So I, I just want to get into another point about head coaches sure. because when I look at a head coach, I think there's fits in certain places. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Todd Bowles could be a really good coach somewhere. Maybe not Todd Bowles. might be a bad example, but Pat Shermer could be a really good coach somewhere mm-hmm. else. But I think the most important thing with a coach, I mean, every coach knows a lot about football. Every coach is a smart football mind. I think you need a guy that's going to set the right culture. You know, even if that might be a guy who doesn't have any NFL experience, but is going to be really enthusiastic and really excited to go and take that job. You know, maybe like a Gus Malzahn at Auburn. He has he's done a really really good job at Auburn. Not so much this year, but might be a bad example. But you know, a guy who's willing to come into the NFL, be really excited, really aggressive with bringing in that culture, and and do that. And we saw that with Pete Carroll. I'm just not sure if getting that offensive genius, because there's only so many. Everyone's mm-hmm. trying to find their Sean McVay or yeah, their of course. Matt Nagy or their Bill Belichick. And then you saw it in Chicago with, who was the coach before? Uh, the, the quarterback with the glasses. Uh, oh, Tressman? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone thought Tressman was like a McVay. Yeah. And not everyone's an offensive genius or a defensive genius. They don't. You don't come across those every often. So, sure, LaFleur might be a good option, but yeah. I, I just want someone who's going to come in fired up ready to bring in a really good culture. And if I'm a general manager, that's what I'm looking for in a head coach. And Todd Bowles just does not have that at all. Not even close. And that that's I, I do like LaFleur because of because of the offensive mind. Another guy that might be available that I think would be cool just because of the culture you could bring would be John Harbaugh. I think that that would be awesome if the if the Ravens got rid of him. And if we're including college guys, I, I really like David Shaw at Stanford. I, th- I think that he would He's be awesome. He's been an NFL coaching yeah. candidate for a while. That, I, and, I, I would love that. And that's something that I've been saying for a while. I think David Shaw has been ready to make the jump from college to football, but teams aren't really giving him the look. I mean, you could also go to, I know, once uh, the Browns let go Hugh Jackman, people were banging the drum for Lincoln Riley to make yeah, the jump from from Oklahoma say. to the NFL after only this is going to be his second full season at the helm. And if we're talking about one Harbaugh, why aren't we talking about the other Jim Harbaugh Jim. at Michigan? Um, I've kind of been on the on the seat where uh, if he doesn't accomplish anything this year, he should probably not. I don't know if he will leave or the team will fire him. But that's another name that could be looking to make the jump back into the NFL. Hey, look, if Harbaugh's at a different school that isn't Michigan and he didn't have that success right away, I think people would be loving him. You look at Gus Malzahn, you know, an Auburn fan base that's a little more patient, not used to as much success, but Harbaugh just completely shifted the culture at Michigan. It was a mess for a while. And he went in and shifted that culture and forced it in, went out and was a really, really good recruiter. And I think he would be really successful with that for the Jets. Now, I don't... I don't think the Jets are quite ready to make that switch, and I feel like Bowles' seat is not hot enough. But who knows? I, I really feel like we could see him on the way out this year. The only thing that's holding him back is potentially stunt, stunting Darnold's development. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And and I do think just the way that the players are reacting, the way that the seat – they're 3-6. and six. With their defense, it's – Pro Football Focus has said it, it, it has graded as the best coverage defense so far this year. They have a lot of young talent on there. I think that they should have won more games. When you lose a game thirteen to six, that's that's a game you should have won. I yeah. mean, I mean, come on. So I, I think that because 
because of the way the season's gone so far this year with more talent than last year, I, I think that I think that his seat's got to be hot, and I think at the end of the year he's got to go. And honestly, I don't see much of a point of 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 having Darnold play the rest of the season. Sure, I know you want to give the fans something to come out to the stadium to watch, and you want to see the future on the field. But if he's actually hurt, and I know it's probably not super big, and it's not a really big injury, it's just what a sprained foot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it could turn into something else if he is actually hurt. Yeah. But Josh McCown wasn't bad for you last year. He won you what six, seven games. And should have been more. Yeah, it should have yeah, been, been more. Yeah. So why not just let him finish out the year? kind of semi-tank the rest of your season, get another top 10 draft pick, maybe on offense, maybe shore up the defense a little bit more, and just come into next season ready to go. I don't see any reason why they, they're obviously not going to win the division, they're not making the playoffs, so why not just kind of just punt on the rest of the season? I, I want to get picks out of you guys. Before we send it to yeah. the Giants, pick this week, Bills, Jets, what do you think? Uh, it- Oh, we're going to save it? Okay. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll save right. it for the pick right, cool. Chuck in the back knows best. So uh, we'll send it over to Jack Reagan for our duds, and we'll come out of it talking Giants. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. First dud this week, we got Carrion Johnson out of Detroit. His, since his big week seven performance against Miami, he rushed for 158 yards there. He struggled to get things going on the ground a little bit. Look for that to keep going again this week as they go up against the Bears. They only allow 84.9 rushing yards per game. And Johnson will likely not find success through the air either, as Theo Reddick is the Lions' primary pass catcher out of the backfield. Next up, I'm sticking with Detroit, actually. I got Matt Stafford, another dud. Um, he's coming off his worst game against the year versus the Vikings, where he did not throw a single touchdown. And it won't get easier this week when he's got Khalil Mack and the Bears' pass rush breathing down his neck. And it doesn't help that he's lost his, be- his top receiving option, Golden Tate, via trade. Speaking of Tate, he's my third and final dud. Detroit-themed duds this week. Although his starting him might be enticing now that he has Carson Wentz throwing the ball, it's probably best to wait a week or two before giving Tate the go-ahead. He hasn't been particularly effective all year also, and attempting to learn a new offense certainly will not help him. I don't know. I'm a carry-on Johnson fan, so... Mm-hmm. They're coming. We'll see. Fun. Agree to disagree. I think Carrion's a really good player, but the the schedule the rest of the season is really tough, and I just don't the way that that offense looked last week. I I don't know. I don't know that they're going places. I'm an Auburn guy, so I'm a little yeah. biased. And, <laughs> and the history of Detroit running backs outside of Barry Sanders, though, at least in the past ten years, they haven't really used running backs. Yeah, successfully. sure. But this right. also is the best running back that they've had. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely. I'm a fan yeah. of him too, just because they have had no success at running back. It's nice to see them got Carrion Johnson. He's going off. Yeah, we'll see. So. Uh, we'll have our Giants report for this week, um, and then we'll talk the mess that is the New York Football Giants. After a bye week, we're back to Giants football. Big Blue opens the second half of their schedule with another struggling opponent, the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are coming off of an energizing 34-3 win over the Raiders, led by undrafted rookie Nick Mullins. The 23-year-old out of Southern Mississippi got the call after both Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Beathard went down with injuries, and he capitalized. Completing 16 of 22 passes, 262 yards and three touchdowns last Thursday. The Giants defense led by Landon Collins will look to show the rookie that it's not always going to be that easy. Collins came out this week and told SNY's Ralph Vacchiano that he wants to be with the Giants, but not if they're rebuilding. All Collins can do at this point is play as hard as he can and hope the Giants invest in him for the future. On offense, the key will be the offensive line, as always but there's even more emphasis on it because of how talented the Niners' pass rush is. If the line can give Eli Manning enough time to get the ball to Odell Beckham, the Giants will be able to put a lot of points on the board this week. Coach Shermer will also need to balance that attack, heavily utilizing Saquon Barkley the same way he has been. No injuries to report for the Giants this week as Alec Ogletree and Chad Wheeler were both full participants in practice and will be good to go for Monday. The extra day will give the 49ers more time to get healthy, but Ruben Foster and Pierre Garçon both did not practice today. 
I truly believe this can be one the Giants can pull out and break up this miserable losing streak. G-Men get the win in primetime, 27-21. Covering Big Blue, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. So I'm optimistic again this week that the Giants pull out a win. I say it every single week that I host this. I pick them to go 10-6. and six. So I'm a moron, so don't listen to me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, the only real reason is because it's San Francisco and because I think Odell Beckham's going to go off. And that's really the only reason I think they can win this game. The, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that they have more talent. They should win the game. Um I mean, granted, the the 49ers have been playing well of late. They destroyed a ridiculously bad Raiders team, and they played really well against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, the one thing that would give me pause is the fact that the 49ers have a very, very good defensive line, and that's going to match up very poorly with the Giants' offensive line. But at the end of the day, I, I think talent wins out. And Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, against a bad team in the 49ers, I think that they should win this game. I was on the show a few weeks ago before the Houston game, and I said that I didn't see this Giants team being able to beat anyone before the Tennessee game coming up in, a, in another few weeks. And they, was that, that, was bef- that was after Garoppolo's injury, right? I think so, okay. and I still thought that. But, uh, they, I mean, they proved me wrong against Houston, but we've seen what's happened since. And, yeah, they have all the talent in the world, but... I've been looking ahead to draft season for a few weeks now, and honestly, I'm even looking forward to next draft season because yeah. I just I don't see how they can pull themselves not only out of the mess they're in this season, but even next season. Because if Eli Manning is this bad this season, and I love Eli Manning with everything in my body, <laughs> everything that he's done for this team and me watching him growing up, beating the Patriots in the Super Bowls, some of the most incredible games I've ever watched, He's just not good anymore, and if he's not good this year, what makes people think that he's going to be good next year? Yeah, and I think the best decisions in life, in football, in anything, have to be non-emotional and objective. And the Giants' decision to keep rolling out mindlessly, keep rolling out Eli Manning, is emotional. Because you are, like you said, you're emotionally connected to the fact that Eli Manning gave you two outrageous Super Bowls. And was it totally responsible was he totally responsible for them? No. We're going to talk about that forever and ever. That's until we die. For you as a Giants fan, that's something you're going to have to defend either against a Patriots fan or against another NFL fan and even other Giants fans that are going to say, "Oh, Eli didn't win it. There was the defense, whatever." It's a combination of things. But at the end of the day, Eli was the quarterback of two Super Bowl winning teams. But in 2018 at this point, he's not an NFL quarterback. And like you said, I, I don't know if drafting a quarterback right now would be the best decision for them because they're so far away from the point that they need to be to. Yeah, this year's draft class for quarterbacks isn't that great. For a while, I was on the Justin Herbert train, but the more I thought about it, I don't think he's the answer. And then you look at other guys like Will Greer or a Jarrett Stidham or a Drew Locke. Ryan Finley played well. Ryan also. Finley, exactly. Yeah. But if you're drafting in the top two or even the number one overall pick, There are game changers on defense that you need to look at. Nick Bosa is the top prospect on literally everyone's board. People are saying he's better than Joey, which is hard to imagine because Joey Bosa is a total freak of an athlete and is just so good. And then you have Ed Oliver out there too. And he's been a top draft board since he declared he was entering this year's draft last season. And then there's also guys like on the offensive line, Jonah Williams, and among trade back for those guys. Yeah, exactly. But then there's also the point: will the media and the fans contribute to them taking a quarterback this year? Because next year's quarterback class is so much better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the potential because all these guys are going to be juniors and they don't have to leave, so they might go back to school. But if Herbert goes back, he's going to be there next year. Tua Tagovailoa might come out next year. Jake Fromm from Georgia might come out next year. There's just so many better quarterbacks next year that this year isn't the year to make that change at quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And to your point, David, I just think that if they have that top pick, it would make so much more sense to trade back and beef up that offensive line, get more picks, because they have so many needs and so little cap space to address those needs because of bad decisions by the GMs and because they've tied so much money up in their defense that hasn't really lived up to the expectations that were set for it. 
the you absolutely I I under I understand that they have Odell Beckham and I understand that they have Saquon Barkley and they're exciting. There's no doubt that they're two of the best uh, overall football players in the entire league. But at the end of the day, wide receivers and running backs are not as important as the other positions on your team. They're not as important as the offensive line. They're not as important as your defensive backs. They're, they're not as important, obviously, as your quarterback, the most important spot in your team. And I just am not impressed with any of those other spots in the Giants. So until they fill those spots, until they get good, uh, uh, a good secondary back there, until they get somebody to be the heir for Eli Manning, until they get actual good football players in the trench in the trenches on that offensive line they're not going to be a contender and so that's why I feel like if they have that a top pick next year that trading back beefing up your o-line getting more picks is the way to go I don't I don't think trading back is the right move for this team right now I understand the the pick hoarding thing and you want to have as many chances as you can mm-hmm. to get to get guys in the draft but if you're in a position to take someone like Nick Bosa or Ed Oliver I don't I just don't see how you can pass on that because I think Olivier Vernon might be a cap casualty this year I think they might cut him yeah I think that they need to exactly that they need to and plugging someone like Oliver or Bosa into that spot that he's gonna leave is just too perfect of a chance to pass on. But I, then how do you address the line because there's so much ca- there's so much money tied up I know. when it becomes an issue and that's really the number one issue that's yeah. the issue, and 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 actually, it's 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 to me that's the difference between the Jets and the Giants with how they are right now. Because even though I despise Todd Bowles and think he's a horrific head coach, <laughs> I actually think Mike McCagnin's done a really good job as their general manager in setting them up uh, for the future. Whereas Jerry Reese and even in a short tenure so far, Dave Gettleman haven't so far. I'm never gonna bash the Saquon pick because no. even if I had the number one Listen, pick, I would have taken Saquon player. Barkley. Yes. He's a game changer, and you know what? Last year, you could have understood how Eli struggled. I'm not going to—I don't—no one has a crystal ball, and no one last year was—you know, if the, if someone—let me revert. If someone was going to say last year, Eli's done, get him out, and then are saying that 2018 is their proof, I don't agree with that because in 2017, he was without weapons. He didn't have any receivers. He had sure. no run game to begin with, Everybody and his was offensive hurt. line was worse than this year, so— I think 2017, Eli's didn't start Eli's regression. I think his hands were just tied. He couldn't do anything. But now in 2018, when he's failed to show up, you say, okay, now we got to move on. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think a lot of the problem with this Giants offense the past few years has been the one-dimensional aspect of their offense. I mean, before Saquon, you can argue that their last best running back was Ahmad Bradshaw, and he wasn't really that— He was okay. Yeah, he was okay. Yeah, he was a nice player. Yeah, but— <laughs> Their offense has been so pass-heavy since their last good running back that it's, it was easy to fall back on, oh, well, defenses are just keying on the pass game because they don't have a run game to back him up. So I understood the pick of Barkley. He was my pick. That's the guy who I wanted because I wasn't, I wasn't high on any of the quarterbacks at that point. But then you look at this year and you see, okay, well, they have the run game now. It, the offense shouldn't be that one-dimensional where defense can just throw everyone in coverage and bring everyone on blitzes to, to try and get to Eli because you should be able to confuse them with the run plays, with the pass plays now, but you're just not seeing it. And I'd, it's just really difficult seeing where this offense is with all the talent they have. Saquon, Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham. They're just rotting on that roster. They are, and it's a shame because you're losing some of the best years of these players' careers because as we know, as we mentioned earlier with Le'Veon Bell, shelf life isn't long for, right. for these players. Elda Beckham's already had a major injury in the NFL. How much longer is he going to have at age 26? Saquon Barkley, where he's getting a lot of work this year and running backs to go quickly in this league. So it's difficult seeing all these guys just not be used. Here's my counter to that, though. When you draft a quarterback, uh, uh, sorry, a running back like Saquon so high in the first round, you're not getting any discount on them. Saquon entered the league, I'm pretty sure, as like the third or fourth highest paid running back in the NFL. If you trade back, now, this isn't a knock on Saquon. He's an awesome player, great attitude. He's the exact type of player you want. But if you trade back and get some picks and address the offensive line, you cannot tell me that the Giants wouldn't be a better team if they had... Will Hernandez was was a great pick, but let's say they still draft Will Hernandez. They draft they trade back a little bit and get either Quentin Nelson or Mike McGlinchey, who's been fantastic this year. Yeah. Now you have two really good spots 
on your team, including a left tackle, which is probably the most important spot on the on the offensive line. And still, later in the draft, there was a bunch of good running backs this year. Maybe you get a Darius Geis or a Royce Freeman. You're a better team if you do that. You're a better team. And like you said, running backs don't have a long shelf life. My fear is that they have this great generational game-changing player and waste him. And that that's just that would just be a shame. Yeah, Chuck just told me in the back, Philip Lindsay went undrafted. You know, undrafted, but, exactly. But I'm like, Devin, I'm not going to disagree with you. And Matt, I'm not going to disagree with you because I think you guys are both bringing up great points. The people I'm going to disagree with are the people that were yelling for a quarterback. Because yeah. if you put a quarterback on this team, it would be, it'd be even worse. Yeah. It would be even worse because you have this offensive line, you don't have Saquon, and it's just not and a horrific defense that you have to play catch-up with. So if you put a quarterback on this roster, they're probably 0-8. And... To this point, I think even if you put Patrick Mahomes on this team, they'd maybe be 500. You I know? mean, we were talking earlier about how Sam Darnold struggled on this Jets team. Even who worse on the Giants. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The Jets have arguably a better offensive line, and sure, they might have the offensive weapons that the Giants do, but he's still a rookie quarterback behind a terrible offensive line. Imagine what that would look like. He'd be looking worse right now than he would on the Jets. And I've I got in this argument with so many people. I think that you could have taken Saquon Barkley and passed on Sam Darnold, and they can both end up being Hall of Fame players. And I still wouldn't ch- I I wouldn't change a thing. I'm with you. I'm a hundred percent. I I agree with that. A quarterback for the on this Giants team without the line, it it, it would have been disastrous. So I agree with that. Dwelling on the pick is going to do nothing at this point. Saquon's right. a really 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 good player, and you got him, and you should be happy with that. But. In 2019 and in 2020, with these drafts, you got to play your cards right because if I think this can be a turbo rebuild, I think in two to three years this can be a playoff team again. I don't think it's going to take very long, but they have to play those cards right. They really do. Yeah, I mean, and I think it starts with next year's quarterback class. I really want them to take to a tag of Iloa. I'm with you because imagine, imagine him. Odell Beckham, Evan uh, Ingram, Saquon Barkley, uh, who is now in his second full year uh, in the NFL. I love it. Just think about how explosive and dynamic this offense could look like. It could look like the Chiefs offense it right really now. Could. It and really could. that's terrifying to think about for the rest of the NFL. I, I do think that that's still falling if they do that, it's still falling into that trap of they haven't addressed their 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 biggest but issues. That's why I think you trade back, maybe get yeah. that offensive lineman mm-hmm. this year, and then once the money's off the books, you can address. Right, the right. Because even even the Chiefs have a top five offensive line in the yeah. league. So and and that and that's a huge help to everybody on that offense. So we'll wrap it up with our last fantasy hit, our sleepers, and then Jack Jack Reagan will join us for our pickums, and we'll give you all of our probably wrong picks for this <laughs> coming week. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. My first sleeper is Mike Davis from Seattle. Since Chris Carson went down, uh, we down for them in week nine. He's starting. And came Davis, who got seven catches along with 15 carries for 62 yards. That usage is really encouraging. He was heavily involved with uh, his number of attempts and his passing game. Definitely a great pickup if Carson continues to be sidelined the next coming weeks. Next up is Elijah McGuire from the Jets. Since the ball power is down, McGuire led the backfield in snaps, routes, targets, and catches this past Sunday against the Dolphins. Bill's defense is pretty bad against the rush, and it might be a competitive game. Nathan Peterman throws a heck of a lot of picks, which should give McGuire an opportunity to get a ton of touches. And finally, I got Anthony Miller, the receiver out of, the, out of Chicago. Allen Robertson is out for the second straight week, and I think he's on the up with a career-high uh, five catches last week. Look for him to make a rare appearance in the end zone this week versus the Bears, so he's going to get on the field a lot more due to Detroit's subpar offense with Golden Tate taken to Philadelphia. Back, throw that mic on. We're going to do, because we're short on time right now, we're going to do a turbo, a turbo pick'ems. Washington, Tampa Bay. Devin, get us going. I'm going to go Washington. I just think that they're a better better team all around, better defense, and Alex Smith has shown throughout his career he can handle himself. Yeah, I'm going Washington. Their defense looks really good, and I think Tampa's offense is still in flux. I'm actually going to go with Tampa Bay. I don't really believe in Washington, and Fitzmagic is back. I'll go Washington. Uh, Arizona, Kansas City. Should be an easy one. <laughs> Kansas City. Kansas City. Kansas, Kansas City. City, Kansas City. Four, cool. Four Kansas Cities. Jets, Bills. Jets. The Nathan Peterman is an automatic loss. Yeah, Jets. Peterman's the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Jets, Peterman may not ever win an NFL game. You know what? I was I was alluding to that. I was going to pick the Jets. Let's roll with it. Nathan Peterman gets oh, that gosh. first win, baby. That would be embarrassing. That's how you got to win these. you no. got to go contrarian sometimes and... <laughs> 
you know, get ahead of the get ahead of the weird ones. Jacksonville, Indiana, Indianapolis. <laughs> I'm gonna go Indianapolis. I like how the Colts' offense has looked lately. Yeah, give me the Colts. I'm I'm not sure what's happened to this Jags defense, but they look back to when they were bad. I'll take the Colts as well. Jacksonville is a hot mess right now, and Andrew Luck is starting to come back in form a little bit. I just got shocking news. Des Bryant just tore his Achilles. No, oh, that is crazy. Yeah. So we, oh. we can't do this episode without mentioning that. That's a disaster, though. Yeah. Absolutely Jeez. horrible, heartbreaking. Poor guy. Bryant. Yeah. No, Jesus. it's terrible. Christ. Absolutely terrible. Regardless of what you think of him. That's just absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Indianapolis, though. Detroit, Chicago. Uh, I'm going to go Chicago. I, I, I really like the offensive weapons, and the defense is obviously great. Chicago, I love that Bears defense, even without Cleo Mack. Yeah, I'm going Chicago, too. They're losing Golden Tate, and that Bears D is too good. Stick with it. Chicago. Uh, New Orleans, Cincinnati. Devin, the big Cincinnati I, guy. I, I really love the talent on this Cincinnati no, team. Right. I don't Looking. think that they get a lot of credit for it, but I think it's a track game. I think Bengals win. Yeah, I'll go with the Bengals. I mean, Joe Mixon looks really good without AJ Green. Tyler Boyd's going to get more looks, so give me ba- give me the Bengals. Yeah, I'm definitely going New Orleans here. I think they're going to light up that subpar defense, Cincinnati. Yeah, they've really fallen under the radar in the NFC, New Orleans, which is shocking because of how talented they are. Absolutely horrible that Des Bryant knew, so they made a big pickup, but unfortunately, it'll be without him. Well, he wasn't going to play anyway this week, but he'll be with. They'll be without him for the foreseeable future, or you know, they'll never have him. But I'm going to go New Orleans, uh, New England, Tennessee. Interesting matchup here. I do think it's an interesting matchup. I'm going to go with Tennessee. I liked how they looked last week. They have a good defense, and it's at home. I'm going to take the Patriots. Uh, like Jack was saying earlier, Malcolm Butler's been one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFL this year, and throwing Josh Gordon, Edelman, James White on him is just going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I'm going New England, but I think it might be a lot closer than people think. Tennessee has a really good defense. Uh, they're at home, and a lot of possible revenge games there. A lot of ex-Patriots. Yeah, yeah. Mike Vrabel might have a little bit of info on, <laughs> on New England, but I think New England's just going to be a little bit too much. I'll go with New England. Atlanta, Cleveland. Cleveland's starting to look like a dumpster fire once again. Yep, uh, I'm going to go Atlanta pretty easy in this one. Yeah, give me Atlanta. Uh, Julio Jones finally got off the shine last week. He did his first touchdown, and knowing him, they're probably going to start coming in bunches. Give me Atlanta. Yeah, I'll take Atlanta. They're going up, and Cleveland's going down. We'll go, we'll go all of us. We'll go Atlanta here, too. Uh, Chargers, Raiders. Chargers. Chargers. The Raiders might be worse than the Giants, which is hard to do. Chargers, yeah. I'll go with the Chargers. I love Derek Carr, but I'm going with the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, Seattle and the Rams. Could be a tough one for the this Rams. Is, this, is, this could sneaky be a tough one. Seattle was played them really tough the first time, but I'm going to go Rams coming off their yeah. loss. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, that's the point I was going to make. The Rams coming off a loss, and they're going to have something to prove. Yeah, there's a big game for the Rams, but that thing will bounce back as well. I, I'm going to go with the Rams just because it's so hard to pick against the Rams, so I'll, I'll go with them. Uh, Miami, Green Bay. Let's go Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay. Even without a lot of their receivers, I think that Green Bay will be able to get it done. Yeah, I'm going Green Bay. Miami's defense is pretty bad, and uh, Green Bay's at home. Green Bay needs this one big time. I'm going to go with Green Bay, though. Rodgers is too much. Sunday Night Football, Dallas, Philadelphia. Huge game for Dallas. I think the Eagles take this one at home. I actually think the Cowboys are going to get it done because their offense has been in flux, but I think they might figure it out, and the Eagles haven't been convincing. I'll take Philadelphia here. I think Dallas is beginning to spiral now. It feels like every time Jason Garrett's back is up against the wall, he gets out of it, and I think he's going to do it again. (laughs) Dallas gets a win on Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football, Giants, San Francisco, out in the bay. I, I think that the Giants' talent wins out in this one. I think it's the 49ers, just because I want the Giants to be bad to get a good draft pick, so I'm going to go with the, the head and take the <laughs> Niners. I'm taking the Niners too. Nick Mullins game, part two. Let's go with the Giants. I, I, I no, no further comment. We're going with the Giants. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us this week on NFL Friday. Here every week for NFL Friday with myself, Vinny DeBellis, our Jets reporter. And fantasy updates and, you know, the whole nine yards. So, David Spampanato, Devin Clementi, Matt Constantini, Jack Reagan with fantasy, Charlie Mizano in the back. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week.